Um, so it is I, a DC-centric podcast. Well, Savage of Interest, i got to be honest. I felt, I mean, yes, I know the Doctor Voodoo thing happened where Wolverine, like, gave him a blood injection. Which was stupid as fuck. Yeah, it was. But, well, first of all, why hasn't he done that in the 50 years of his existence? Right. But two, like, I felt like this book, like, nothing happened. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, I feel like we just went to the next scene and then it ended. I'm like, whoa, whoa, is it over? Like, literally, I went to the to the all pages view to count the pages because I was like, this feels like half a book to me. Well, it's got, it, yeah, I agree. It read really fast, but the uh, the the artwork seemed extremely rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's his last work at Marvel, supposedly, Mike Diodato. Oh, really? So that's probably you know he's probably got that short timers going on. Well, he uh, there is the page where uh, Wolverine is pulling off his glove. And I'm like, what is going on here? I mean, the 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 glove is so- suddenly larger than his hand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and not because it's, I mean his thumb is as almost as long as his forearm. I mean, it is the weirdest. And I'm like, is he just trying to foreshorten that so it seems closer to us? But if you're doing that, the 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 hand the hands should seem closer to us than Brother Voodoo. Yeah. Right. Given how big, I mean, the the I really struggled with with the art in some pages. Like the uh, he stabs his uh, hand with his claws, mm-hmm. and his fingers don't look like fingers. And I mean, I legit read it. I'm like, oh my god, is something happening to him? Well, you know, and then like he, it's weird because he like takes out. Dr. Voodoo's heart. I'm like, why can't you just like drip your blood? Why can't you just uh-huh. like, I don't understand well, what's going on here. Well, and the, the little surgery thing that he does is so poorly illustrated because yeah. it doesn't look like a human chest. It doesn't look like, you know, he's cut like this circle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you kind of need rib spreaders to do what he's doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you crack open a guy's chest, you got to open that motherfucker up. It doesn't create this nice little hole no. with the heart just kind of up top. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it, this the the this sequence was so half-assed. Yeah, I feel like we just had a conversation about it, but honestly, it was just there's. I don't know. The book wasn't great. Um, no, it was just but, it, like I said. It, it was very just next scene over. <laughs> It's so strange in that the first book was so good, mm-hmm. was wildly good, and this one just seems like it's a completely different creative team. Yeah, we'll see how the next issue goes. Yeah, I was I was very disappointed in this book. Yeah, I feel like we're gonna get six issues before we see the Savage Avengers actually event, you know, being together. Yeah, Savage Avengers assemble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, n- I noticed there's a little pep in your step this morning, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are out of the house. That's right. That's right. Oh. That's right. I what sorry. Was that? I, I I was looking up something and it started playing noise and I didn't mean to do that. I apologize. Oh, it's still doing it. Let me turn that off. You trace the call, Paul. <laughs> it's the coming from inside coming the house. From inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I was looking up. Uh-oh. I know. Well, no, not that. I did that before <laughs> the show. No. <laughs> um, so there's a new show on Netflix that I wanted to bring up, and it's called The Chef Show. And uh, I know that sounds unusual to start a comic book podcast uh, talking about, but have you heard of this show, Aaron? I have not. So a couple years back, uh, John Favreau did a movie called Chef. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's a... He's Which is... A, that kind of sparked his uh, uh, food truck movie, right? That is the food truck movie. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, the food truck movie is called Chef, and it's about, you know, he's a middle-aged man, he's going through, like, this midlife crisis, and he and his son go on this, you know, basically buy a food truck and do, like, this cross-country travel. It's got a lot of famous people in it. Scarlett Johansson's in it. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. Because oh, he's friends it. with all of them. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, well, it's inspired him, and, and so now he has a new show on Netflix called The Chef Show, um, and it's a, it's it's kind of like a cooking show, but he goes to different places um, and hangs out with celebrities, And but they, you know, they discuss food, they have conversations over food. Kind of like, if you guys remember, Dinner for Five. I loved Dinner for Five. Which was also created by John Favreau. Yeah. Uh, you know, similar sensibilities, but this is a bit more, you know, modern travel aspect to it as well. So the first episode is Gwyneth Paltrow. The second episode has Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. Um, there's an episode where he's hanging out with Robert Rodriguez. Um, so he's, he's basically bringing all his celebrity friends out of the woodwork and they're hanging out and talking food and making cool sandwiches and stuff like that. So it, it premiered yesterday on Netflix. I have not seen it, but I am very excited to see it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have uh, discovered a show on Amazon Prime, and it's not a genre show, but I'll mention it here because it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> it's called I'm Sorry. I, have you heard of it? Um, no. It's got it's on Amazon Prime, and there's two seasons so far, and it's got Andrea Savage in it, and it is wildly hysterical. And it's it's about a young couple – uh, raising their, you know, pre-K daughter. Mm -hmm. And she is a comedy writer, you know, frequently working on scripts. And uh, it is just her, her, it's a sitcom. And it is intensely hysterical. I mean, laugh yourself where you can't breathe. And there is, in the second season, there is a joke that that starts in the first episode, continues to lay the groundwork, and doesn't pay off until the last episode, and it's blindingly funny. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I the 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 wit and sarcasm in this show is off the charts. It's one of my favorite things. Wow. Okay. Well, highly recommend it. Out. Highly recommend it. Well, uh, go ahead. So so you know, and along the the lines of streaming, Paul. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I feel like I'm breaking your heart this week. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. I feel like that's <laughs> what I'm doing because, uh, you know, last week you told me how much you adored, loved, was thrilled by Swamp Thing mm -hmm. on the DC streaming service. And, uh, you know, you've really enjoyed your DC streaming service and, you know, Swamp Thing, you know, scratched your right where you itched, gave you that horror feel. It was a straight up horror show. And uh, Paul... They canceled it this week. Yeah, after airing one episode. And I got to say, bad move on DC's part to not at least wait until the show had finished airing right. to announce the cancellation. Announcing cancellation after the first episode, bad, bad move yeah. on Warner Brothers' part. Um, but what happened is, first of all, I, I believe there were creative differences. Warner wanted a bit more of a procedural show, like a Supernatural or, or something like that. Um, and the creative team wanted to produce something a bit more with a, a horror bend, but, you know, a serialized horror show. Um, and so there, there were already the, those things. But in addition, they were filming in North Carolina and they were supposed to get a $40 million tax break um, to film there. Well, it turned into, I believe, somewhere around because of some type of clerical error or misunderstanding or something, the tax break ended up being like. 12 million or 14 million something so substantially like less substantially less eight of which was spent on the the pilot episode yes. um so you know basically that's why they 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 shut down production immediately like it was basically they were, they were just gonna hemorrhage money um to to finish filming this thing so it, it ended you know they, they rewrote the ending to be more conclusive and and wrapped it up um, in, I believe, eight episodes instead of the originally planned ten or something like that. Um, wow. So now that being said, the second they, they supposedly will continue to air the remaining episodes. I watched the second episode yesterday, and it's 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 such a good show. That's the sad thing. Um, but at the same time, uh, what I am hearing is that uh, some of Warner's other properties uh, are, are, are interested in, in taking a look at the show. Because uh, whereas it might not prove fruitful on DC Universe... Um, they might not be worth the squeeze. CW and HBO uh, have have an interest in, in picking up the show. 
Yeah, so. I could see HBO doing that. Yeah, and I think HBO would probably be the right place for it since it's a bit yeah. more adult. Uh, so we may we may see Swamp Thing come back, but I will say, uh, regardless of of the fate, um, the first two episodes have been great. Totally recommend watching it. Um, you know, I'm starting to get concerned because the rumor is that Warner is because of Disney Plus. Warner's really trying to look into their own streaming service. Well, yeah, they're rethinking the you know very siloed nature of their of their various streaming entities, right? Exactly, including yeah. DC Universe, which you know. For all intents and purposes, everything that I'm hearing about DC Universe is that it is very successful. Um, you know, it's it's actually exceeding expectations right now. Uh, but I will say I had a big disappointment. I had two disappointments out of DC Universe this week. One was the cancellation of Swamp Thing. Two was that DC Universe, they promised a day and date for DC animated properties or DC animated movies. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently that doesn't incorporate ones that are not fully owned by DC oh, really? or Warner Brothers. So this week, Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was released on Blu-ray. Right. Was not released day and date on DC. Oh, no, because because it's a split property, right? Because it's a split property. Um, Now, I will say, I I went and purchased the film. And it is probably amongst the best DC animated movies um, that they've ever produced. It, It is genuinely well-written and funny, if you're a fan of, of both properties, right? If you don't like Ninja Turtles, you're not going to like it. But there's a lot of humor, there's a lot of fun, tons of action. Um, it, it It's genuinely a good movie. So I do recommend seeking it out and watching it if you're a fan of, of both properties. It's not entirely loyal to the comic book. The comic book deals right. with uh, dimension hopping, and this just basically says the Turtles have come from New York to Gotham. Uh but in general, I, I really, really liked the film. And I, I laughed out loud at certain sequences, So, which is unusual for, for those DC animated films. Sure, yeah. Uh, but great fight sequences. Uh, you know, they, they really put a lot of work into it. And, and part of it, and this is no, you know, no, I don't mean this in a, in a negative manner, but part of it is that when you watch the making of the creative team on the film, none of those are the usual creative teams. Oh, really? You know, none of the, yeah, it's not the usual people that you see in all the documentaries on these making up films. Um, so I think they brought some fresh blood in, uh, and it, it feels fresh and different. Huh. And uh, they brought in Troy Baker. Sorry, one more thing on this. Troy Baker um, it voices both Batman and Joker in the film. Mm-hmm. And it was almost the end of the film that I realized it wasn't Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Really? He is that close to both of them. Um, wow. And that I was like, hmm, okay, well, that doesn't sound like Kevin Conroy all of a sudden. And it's because it's not. But that was an hour and 20 minutes into an hour and 27-minute <laughs> film. Uh, he, he's that close. Huh. Well, you know, I have uh, long felt that it's a mistake for Warner to silo out their streaming services. I, um, I felt I felt like the DC streaming service would be better matched for a a more global Warner streaming service um, with with I mean, you're 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 just dividing up your folks and folks aren't going to want to buy multiple chunks of the Warner streaming services. You know, they want to go just like the Disney has con- is consolidating all of the Disney properties in one place, making it a powerhouse. Warner has that same ability. So why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you make yourself more competitive by having all of that? And the the DC properties piece of it is huge in that. The only thing that I would say, you know, I've already paid for the full year of DC, which we're coming up on, right? I think that that started late in the year. Um, So, but if they want to roll my DC into an overall Warner subscription, that's fine. I'm totally fine with it as long as they, you know, continue the quality of the shows. The only thing that gets lost in that is some of the stuff on the DC Universe app that I don't use anyway, like the comic books and the encyclopedia Uh stuff. But Um, there's no reason they couldn't keep that. Yeah. They've already built it. There's no reason they couldn't. And that just makes their Warner platform that much better. Yeah. There's no reason why they couldn't keep that. And, any, and Honestly, I'd prefer they just roll it into Comixology like the Marvel Unlimited does. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, and one of the things I wish Comixology would do that the DC app is doing is being able to read your comics on your television screen. Yeah. 
you know, because, you know, really. And, and I, I really wish that they would allow within the Comixology app to uh, create a slideshow, you know, like, yeah. choose your favorite images from comics you own. Right. Mm-hmm. And have that running on your TV screen while you've got music playing. I mean, I think that'd be great, you know, when you're entertaining, just having that kind of going, you know, yeah. in the background. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. I guess you just have to take a bunch of screenshots. <laughs> yeah, it's a, pain, it's a pain in the ass. It is. It would be, it would be, I mean, you could, you could, I, if I was designing the app, I would have a, a function when you're, you know, either guided view or when you're viewing full page where you could like what you see and that immediately adds it to your, you know, uh, slide page. Mm-hmm. I think that'd I mean, be great. I think it would be great. And and it's, it's a, it's functionality that they really should add. Mm-hmm. And because you own it, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do it. Right. It's just another way to, to, to make the digital experience that much more valuable to you. Yeah, to a certain extent. I love it if they built something like that into the DC universe app, right? Like, yeah. you know, instead of the, the campfire or whatever, the, the log, the holiday log, Right. Just have like a, you know, a, a streaming, D, you know, yeah. DC images with music to them or DC, yep. you know, uh, holiday images or something, you know, just yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I, I, I have long wanted that in the Comixology app uh, and there's no reason why they can't do that. They just haven't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Don't know why. Well, you know, one we're actually going to talk about a book here that it would I, I, I'd actually see a DC animated movie. Um, adaptation of uh, I think it'd be interesting and something different that and that I think that's the only way we'd see this property um, adapted but last week we talked about some of the biggest comic releases of the year Um, you know just huge huge releases last week with Leviathan Rising Heroes in Crisis Batman Last Night on Earth Doomsday Clock number 10 but I'd say this week we're going to talk about comics that may not have that level of attention but maybe amongst some of my favorite reads of the year so mm-hmm. far um starting with deceased number two and this is the one that i think could make a, a, a really interesting uh animated movie so this is from uh tom taylor and trevor harrison we talked about issue one this is basically dc's equivalent of marvel zombies just without the humor uh, yeah and and so much better yeah, it's so much better. Um, so deceased number two, you know, when we left issue one, bat, there was a cliffhanger where the Bat family, other than Damien, had been turned into these zombies. The you know they, they, the concept is that cellular, not just cellular phones. I think it's the internet in general is infected with the anti life with the an altered version of the anti life equation. So right. you know it, it's it's infected our superheroes and the world and anyone who was basically using the internet at the time. And so this continues that story. Um, and, you know, I read it, I read this and Justice League uh, 25 together earlier this week, and I, I emailed Aaron or texted him or whatever and said, these two books are ones we definitely have to talk about. Yeah, you know, Deceased Number 2 is a fantastic read. And I agree. I, I'd love to see this, you know, as an animated feature. I'd like it as an R-rated animated yeah. feature. Um, and I would like it... I would like it as a um, – some of the DC animated features are rather uh, uh, stilted in the way that mm-hmm. the the characters are shot. You know, it just – it seems very like, well, this is what my app on, on, on my iPad will let me animate. So this is how I have to animate it. Yeah. Um, and I, I would really rather something a little to, – to be a little bit more artfully done uh, because the, the horror is tangible in yeah. this in this book. I mean we open up with Aquaman, you know, ju- uh, jumping on this ship that has, you know, apparently – uh, uh, in distress and he doesn't understand, you know, he's cause he's not, you know, he doesn't have his Wi-Fi going, so he doesn't understand what's happened in the world. So mm-hmm. he goes up on this ship and, you know, in the middle of the North Atlantic and, you know, opens up the, the, uh, the portal and, you know, you've got this sort of zombie massacre going on and he's immediately overwhelmed. And, you know, y- all you see him is, 
uh, knocked overboard with the swarm of zombies on him. And then the water just chums up with, with blood. And I mean, you don't see Aquaman again in this book. I would venture to say, I he's thought still alive, that was, but I could be wrong. I, I thought that was, I thought that was rather brilliant. Yeah. You know, I, I just, the, the way the, the chumming of the water, I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that this book does, and Tom Taylor's great at this. I mean, I'm I'm a big Tom Taylor fan, mm-hmm. but uh, the 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 stakes are high, mm-hmm. and nobody's safe. Yeah, that's one of the things I really like about this book, and they they really kind of laid that down in the first issue, but it, even more so here. You know, and you've still got people figuring out what's going on. So, you know, we cut to this scene between Harley and uh, uh, Poison Ivy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have seen over the course of many DC books, you know, the very strong connection between Harley and and Poison Ivy. You know, they are they're they're besties. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Harley is wanting to go in and tell, you know, the Joker that. Uh, you know, they're done, that they're breaking up. And, you know, she asked Poison Ivy to go with her and Poison Ivy's like, no, because, you know, if if I did, you wouldn't know what I already know. And that that's that you're strong enough to do this. And of course, nobody realizes what's going on. And, and so Harley walks in and Joker is clearly infected with this stuff. And then it cuts. We don't see how that scene plays out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, God, <laughs> it just leaves you with, all, with, I mean, there was multiple cliffhangers in this book. Is Aquaman dead? It's Harley dead. Um, you know, we, we, we see the, you know, the camp scene, uh, the, camp the camp scene with green arrow, green lantern and, uh, Dinah Lang. I, I mean, Dinah Lance. I mean, yeah. uh, I, it is wild. Mm-hmm. It is why I mean, the fact that just Green Lantern, you know, who's, you know, if, if anybody could, you know, outwill the uh, anti-life equation, right, it should be Green Lantern and Green Lantern just succumbs immediately to it. Yeah. So so will is clearly not a defense against the anti-life equation. Yeah. And are, are we going to spoil the ending of this book? I think we I think we do. Okay. I think we do. So spoilers. So, you know, we, we, we said no one is safe, and that's true, because in this book, which is funny, I've never... It seems like this character is always off-limits, you know, because he, he always has to be the one, the smartest guy in the room. Right. Um, so, you know, even in, in Justice or whatever, Batman is a key player. Well, he's dead. Uh, yeah. You know, he succumbs to the infection, and Alfred has to shoot him in the head. Yeah, Alfred has to shoot him in the head. It's a heartbreaking yeah. scene where Alfred's, you know, with his shotgun. And let me just back up, you know, Batman's bat. We saw Batman at the end of last issue being attacked by his Robins, right? Yeah. Uh, Damien wasn't there cause Damien's off at a sleepover with John, but, uh, you know, Batman is attacked by, uh, was it Tim and Nightwing? Yeah. And, uh, so, Batman figures out what's going on and he needs to slow down the infection. I'll throw that up in air quotes. And so he puts on one of the Mr. Freeze suits that he has, which, which I thought brilliant. was a, yeah, I thought that was a great image. I thought it was a great idea. I loved the way that looked. Uh, by the way, I need a statue now of, uh, of one of those <laughs> Batman black and white statues with Batman and the Mr. Freeze uh, suit. But, you know, he's, he's able he's got enough time where he can let Superman know what's going on and what they've got to do to kind of set up the mission. So here we are in this, in this miniseries, And by issue number two, we have our plan nicely structured, uh, arc. I, I'm, I'm very pleased that we're not four issues in and we're still figuring shit out. Right. You know, you, you, we get the benefit of Batman's brain and now Batman's off the board because Alfred shoots him in the head. Yeah. We assume he shoots him in the head. But because, uh, you know, we, we all we get is the big bang on the last page. Yeah. We don't actually see Batman's head explode, which, you know, 
I That's kind of true. He may not be dead. He may have missed. Yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like there's so much emotion in this book. Um, yeah. Like I said, unlike Marvel Zombies, which is it, it's they are doing different things. Right. So I'm not disparaging Marvel Zombies. I'm just saying, like, this book is is not trying to tell a fun, jovial story. This is a dark, scary uh, you know, into the world stuff, into the world uh, yeah. stuff with superheroes, yeah. and you you, yeah. you don't. It, it's a type of super, um, superhero story that would turn some people off, right? Like when we we you know we had, um, and I, I think Wayne is reading this book, but years ago when they released Batman versus Superman on deep Blu-ray and there was going to be an R-rated edition, Wayne was like, there should never be an R-rated Superman movie, you know, mm-hmm. and um, but it and. Because I, I feel some people would feel very strongly against this book. There shouldn't be an R-rated superhero comic. You shouldn't see Superman and Batman and gore and, and those types of things. But it just really works in the context of this book. And it's so... Yeah. Don, it's not just superhero... It's not like they just replace the Walking Dead characters with superheroes, right? right. They, they they make it work within the confines of, of the DC Universe. There's the anti-life equation. There's, you know, it makes sense. No, absolutely. And the characters are the characters. So it's not like – I mean I love Injustice. I think Injustice is a, is a great book, though I, I, I will say I think about midway in its current run, it, it's kind of gone off track a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, these characters are our characters in the straight-up DC universe, yeah. right? Whereas the Injustice characters are the characters we know with a little twist a little, you know, alternate universe twist. Mm -hmm. Um, These are our characters lifted from really straight up current continuity and, you know, placed in this situation. And I really enjoy it. And I got to tell you, again, you know, Alfred having to, you know, having to stand behind Batman with a shotgun while Batman's talking to Superman and just that pressure on the scene. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in that scene where Batman is, is standing at the Bat computer, talking to Superman in his, you know, while wearing the uh, Mr. Freeze suit and you see Alfred with the shotgun behind him, you're like, ah, oh, shit. I mean, cause you yeah. already know, you know, you already know what's going to happen, what has to happen. And, you know, you can see the emotion on, on Alfred's face. And then that final panel before he pulls the trigger is, you know, I'm sorry, son. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's heartbreaking and it's so well done in this book it is compared to the book last week last night on earth which tried to do a similar you know scene between alfred and bruce um you know the the, uh, similar heartfelt scene that didn't necessarily work in fact we we had some confusion with it um you know in in this book it it just clicks yeah no i I thought it was super strong and another really super strong book uh, this week is uh, the Year of the Villain Prelude, Justice League number twenty-five. Uh, I, you know, this was another book you texted me about, like, oh shit, you know, read this book. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, I, I thought the book was outstanding. I adored this book. Um, yeah. You know the, and, and we we've we've had uneven comments on Scott Snyder's Justice League run, but I think we've both been saying this six dimension storyline has been yeah. a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, well, this issue, you know, it, this issue makes it feel like I just read an event book, right? Yeah. Like, like had this been packaged as a six issue miniseries, um, you know, crossover, I, I feel like, I feel like that's what I just read. Um, and it, cause it has one of the best Superman moments that we've oh, seen yeah. in years. Yeah. I mean, an iconic, right? Yeah. You know, it reminded me so much of, um, in Dark Knight Returns where Superman, it, his powers are stolen by the nuclear blast. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's on the edge of death. And there is the, the his monologue about the sun. Yeah. It's very similar to that, but better. It's yeah. not, it's, it might be riffing off of that, but it is not aping it. It's moving it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And it really, and, and, and by, by telling the story of a Superman robbed of his powers, where he's not super at all in terms of ability, he is super in terms of character, in terms of, of his values and what he's willing to, to stand up for, no matter what it means to him, no matter what cost it is to him. And that's what I loved about this book is that it says Justice League on the title. But this is straight up a Superman story. Oh, yeah. 
And it is probably the best Superman story I've read out of DC in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, and you know, Paul, you know, I loved the Dan Jurgens stuff uh, recently, but this is on a whole nother level. It is. It is uh, just this so, is art. This is art yeah. is what this is. So inspirational. You know, uh-huh. it, it, it just works so well. And it's crazy to me how how well it works. You know, you, you mentioned how it, it gave you feelings of, of Dark Knight Returns, the Superman sequence. And, you know, because there's Superman is he's he's lost. Right. He, he's he's right. very much lost. He's feel he felt betrayed. And then, you know, everything turns around in this issue and you realize, oh, Batman hasn't betrayed the league. And, right. you know, he, he and, and there's this beautiful, beautiful art story narration moment where Superman realizes what's going on. And you know what? What you know the 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 action he takes as a result of it, and he just uh, you know demolishes the World Forger, um, mm. and I just I, I thought it worked so so well. You know, you said it reminded me of you of Dark Knight Returns for me, and part of this is like I said how it felt like an event book for me. Um, it kind of reminded me of years ago in the Infinity storyline with Jonathan mm-hmm. Hickman where Thor is getting his ass kicked by, I think it's Supergiant, um, is just, like, beating the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's Black Dwarf. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he, you know, Thor's, like, just on the ground. The guy's, you know, standing over him. And his hammer comes from, like, multiple galaxies away. To save the day, yeah, and that's just like this big rousing moment when yeah. the hero, and that's like the the tide has turned, right? And I I, th- I, I kind of got a similar feeling to for this, like that was just an excellent scene, well, and you feel it, the tide turning, and it was, and the tide turns because you know we're in this alternate universe that the World Forger has created, right? And or the Forger, whatever his name is, um, I think he writes bad checks, um, <laughs> <laughs> he. We're in this alternate world, and in this alternate world, he has removed Superman, and Superman is very much a metaphor for hope. Mm-hmm. And so, in with in the absence of Superman in this story, though everyone go turns cynical and hard. I mean, not necessarily evil, but just not gentle or kind or loving. And so, the the moment where Superman re-enters that universe. And Lois, you know, who is leading the Forger's army and she or his fleet. Right. And, you know, she she's there in space and, you know, he's like, turn all weapons on 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 the on the object, the object being Superman. And she, he shows up on her scopes and her heart breaks. And all of a sudden she's she's the warm, loving Lois that we've known before. Yep. Right. In the absence of Superman she turned into something else as did the rest of the world. It's not just a lowest thing. It's everybody did. And, you know, that's what Batman was doing is he had to, he had to, you know, create an opportunity for, for Superman to come back into the world. And I just think it's beautifully done. Mm-hmm. It's beautifully done. And I think it ties in wonderfully to what we read last week in doomsday clock. Yeah. I agree. You know, and Paul, I've been rereading uh, and people will make fun of me about this. I've been rereading Final Crisis this week Mm -hmm. Um, and longtime listeners of the show will know that I hate Final Crisis. Um, Strangely enough, I'm enjoying it on the reread. And this is probably the third time I've read it. I read it when it first came out, hated it, tried it again when it was collected, hated it. Reading it this time and I'm like, I kind of see what he's doing. Um, and I think the pressure's off, right? As yeah. I, as I'm reading it now, uh, I think it does read better collected than it did uh, in single issue format. But long story short, it does a lot of what this book does and what Doomsday Clock does around Superman. And I, I never saw that before. I mean, while I enjoyed the Superman 3D or Superman Beyond 3D mm-hmm. as part of that Final Crisis story. And in the collection I have, that Superman Beyond 3D is embedded between those Final Crisis issues. Uh, 
And I think it reads a lot better that way. Yeah, I think it was intended that way. But, you know, at the time, other than the fact that it was also written by Grant Morrison, they didn't really say this is essential to the story. Correct. Correct. And, you know, there are things around that final crisis event that I enjoyed. Like, I've always loved that Superman Beyond 3D. Always. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also enjoyed Jeff Johns's uh, uh, Legion of Three Worlds. Right. Oh, yeah, that was a good book. I forgot about that. That was a great book. Um, did not care for the main Final Crisis event. But when you plug Superman Beyond 3D in the middle of all of that Final Crisis stuff, the, the core books, it really works. Uh, I don't it's not my favorite you know, crisis event no. from DC Comics and it never will be. But it is worth the read now. And I'm, I'm surprised to say that. I'm surprised to say that I would ever come to a place where I thought that that was a, a, a decent story because, man, when it came out, I, it was a hard hate that I had for it. Yeah. All that said, I, I have over the last week and a half, you know, between Doomsday Clock, uh, the Justice League book and rereading Final Crisis, I've been in a very Superman centric uh sort of mode because these stories are very key where Superman is not just a guy, you know, he's not just a, a hero character. He is the quintessential and, and essential hero character in the DC universe. And, uh, I, am really digging that, uh, that take that DC has on him. Well, Hey, you know, next week, uh, that this is a good point to bring that next week. Krypton will be uh-huh. coming back to sci-fi channel. I don't, did you ever watch the first season? I watched the first season. I have not finished the first season. Ah, okay, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was really well done. And you know, season two brings in characters like Lobo and uh, things like that. So I'm looking forward to giving it a shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I need to I need to uh, finish the first season. I think I've got five episodes okay. uh, to watch. But uh, but yeah. I it, long story short, I think this book is great. This book is extra sized. Mm-hmm. Um, and gives us a, uh, a, a a big lead into what Lex Luthor was up to yeah. uh, before he uh, blew himself up. Yeah, I think this is a greater, a better prelude to Year of the Villain than DC Universe number zero or Year of the Year Villain number zero or whatever the hell that agreed twenty five cent book was. Yeah. Um, now this this helps explain a little bit more what what the deal is. Yeah, and sets up clearly what else is coming for the Justice League because they set up what four different storylines yeah. that uh you know we got to do this we got to do this and we got to do that oh and one more thing you know uh but it was great I, I i this book was fantastic i uh i'm so glad that Scott Snyder found his groove uh writing Justice League yeah well because his initial books i i was i was not a fan of but these are really strong yeah and now we 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 basically have established this team up with the World Forger, the Monitor, the Anti-Monitor, and Justice League to take yeah. on Proxima, not Proxima, uh, Perpetua, right. you know, their mother. And so I think that's really interesting. And, and you, you see a glimpse of the Earth 2 Justice League in this book um, as well and as Kamandi, like this multiverse. Like they're, they're setting up, um, they're clearly setting up an, another big event. I don't know what, what the name of the event is actually going to be other than You're the Villain, but um, I, this is a great start. I, I yeah. really, really enjoyed this book, and I hope that uh, I hope that this is the type of thing that we're going to see from this Justice League book going forward. So, in keeping with our very DC centric uh, uh, show this week, uh, we have our the last book that we're going to talk about, which is uh, Batman number seventy two. And you know, I, I think Paul and I both went into this thinking, man, Justice League's great, Deceased is great, Batman's going to be great too, right? Uh, no. No. no, it was not. This this book uh, this book sucked some balls. Yeah, I, I um, hate I hate to end the show on a sour note, but yeah, this book yeah. was terrible. I, yeah, like, the, the sour note of some sweaty sweaty balls. Yeah, I, I I didn't quite know if this was current or not. Like the, the because the story was told confusingly. Yeah. Um, yes, I know there were flashbacks. They they basically have flashbacks to everything that's been going on in this arc that's led up to this moment. Well, uh, and everything that's been going on in the last 71 issues of this story. Yeah. That's what I found so damn frustrating is this is – if you were watching this on TV, it's a goddamn clip show. It is. Right? And I, I'm like, I, god damn it. Don't spend an issue – don't spend page after page after page explaining to me what I've already seen and clarifying things that, that you told in the story previously. 
I don't want to see that. Um, I think there's some great art in this book, but I don't buy the comic for the splash pages. I buy the comic for the story. And the story just isn't here, Paul. No, I you know I, I hopped back in, and now I'm wondering if I'm going to hop back out or if I'm going to stick it out until City of Bane. I I just don't yeah. know. I don't know. I just I need I need it to stop being such in his head. I need it to stop being flashback and review. I need the story to be a little more linear and get somewhere. Yeah, because last issue, you know, Batman has confronted his his team and he at the last page of the issue he basically punches tim drake um and this jumps into him fighting bane in the manor like it's it's not flowing for me and i understand that you know supposedly it'll all make sense but you know this isn't lost i don't i don't want things told out of order like it's not it's too confusing for me um for to to follow an issue to issue basis and it's bi-weekly. Like, it shouldn't be this yeah. damn confusing to figure out, okay, when did this battle start? Like, what's happening? Right. You know, are we going to find out in issue 73? Is it going to rewind and fill in the blanks? Like, it, it's not it's it's not told coherently. And I, I do see, you know, why DC moved it to another book. They did the same thing with Grant Morrison. They did, you know, they, they've done, they did the same thing with uh, when Jeff Johns and Richard Donner were writing action comics. Mm-hmm. Like, they, you know, they're like... Well, I think the action comics thing was more of a result of delays. But with Grant Morrison, they said, "Okay, you're getting a little too out there, right? for for this for this core book, and it's hurting the sales. So why don't you do your own thing here while we bring in, you know, a, di- a different team for for the main book that for our number one selling book? Because you can't have Batman not be the top selling book on the market, you know, or not be well, amongst. You, yeah, you can't have Batman behind a Mortal Hulk." Right. Yeah. And which which is what we saw last month. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not dissing Immortal Hulk, but, you know, it's not Batman. No. Batman should always be in your top five. Yeah. Always. Um, I, 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 I do want to shed some shed some light here. I want to uh, to say something kind about this book, the artwork. And I believe it's by Michael Jannon. Yeah. The two page uh, spreads. Or well, maybe I'm talking about Jorge. uh uh, Fornis, though, because the what I really responded to in this book, and it's what I've responded to in the pre- previous issues as well, is the very uh, simple Batman Year One sort of look. Yeah, um, that's the other artist. Pa- that's not Michael Jenin. Okay, so that's uh, Jorge uh, Fornis, yeah. I believe, um, or Fornay. Um, th- it has that frank miller klaus jansen look to it from batman year one and i god i love that i do too i just wish it had a better story with it agreed agreed what what doesn't work his visual storytelling is great Mm -hmm. what doesn't work on these pages is that inner monologue that runs throughout Mm -hmm. because let me tell you after i got past the uh uh, second two-page spread i was kind of done with the monologuing yeah, because it's all over this book. I, I got to be honest. I, I actually so I started reading it, and I got to the first two page spread, and uh, I'm like, it's it, it's just tons of narration. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know that I want to read this right now. Yeah, I forced myself through it. Yeah, but it's no, too I, much narration. I, I, I did too. If I if I wasn't going to be on a podcast talking about it, <laughs> I would have skipped it. Yeah, but you know, I'm like, well, you know, if I'm going to talk about the book, I need to actually read the damn thing. And it was – it did not bring enough uh, – it did not bring enough weight to the conversation. The images are as weighty as can be, both the, the you know, Fournay artwork as well as the Michael Jannon artwork. I mean those two-page spreads are gorgeous, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I, I, I love how their artwork – works in telling the story and gives you a place in time. Uh, so, you know, you're kind of given to, to understand that the, the fight that's happening between, you know, Bane and Batman in the mansion, um, is happening right now. Whereas the two page spreads are your flashbacks while you've got the monologue running, uh, current throughout the entire book. If you lift the monologuing out, it's a lovely book. Yeah, it is. But the monologuing, I mean, I wanted to, 
you know, if, if I wasn't reading this digitally on my iPad, (laughs) I'd have thrown it across the room because I was so frustrated by the text work. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and, And so I guess the question becomes, Aaron, are we going to, are we going to make it through to city of Bane or are we out? I think I'm out. Okay, well, I, I'm I out been, too. Like, I'm not going to pick it up if there's no one to talk about it with, right? And, and I, I've been back for what two issues now? Yeah, same here. You know, because I, I was waiting to get through, you know, all the crap of uh, Batman being drugged. Yeah, and it's still. I mean, I shouldn't have to spend this much money and read this many pages, and you haven't moved the story meaningfully from where I picked up two issues ago. It's been about 20 issues since anything meaningful has, has progressed in the story. And, you know, I, I am, I am going, my plan is to pick up Batman Catwoman by Tom King, where he's moving his story to, but I think I'm going to have to, uh, sit out this thing. Yeah. I think I will too. You know, maybe I'll pick it up on a 99 cent sale. Exactly. But I I think I'm collected, but you know, I'm just, man, this is, this is painful to read. Yeah. Well, before we talk about next week's books, I want to go ahead and make a recommendation. Even though I haven't read the book, uh, but I picked up for $1.99 on Comixology, Tiki Surf Witches Want Blood. What? <laughs> is is the name of the book. So I've I've been on this big Tiki kick for, for a little while now. And so I, I came across this book, um, Tiki Surf Witches Want Blood. It's $1.99, and um, it's all black and white. Uh, it's from a company called Sex and Monsters. Um, it is very much a mature reader's title. You know, they, the, the, the Tiki Surf Witches are all topless. Um, but it's all done in like an old school Archie type art style. You know, uh-huh. like, like you would expect from like an old surfer book kind of thing. Um, it's, it's just a, it's a bunch of short stories, but each one ends with a full page spread that also gives a drink recipe. So if you, if you, it has a bunch of like tiki drink recipes and this like fun, you know, retro style, you know, uh, Islander story, um, it's just stupid fun, but for a buck 99, I, I, I think it's well worth the money. I, 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 I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm, I'll probably make some of these drink recipes. So aren't tiki drink recipes, just random ingredient and rum. Uh, sometimes and it can be, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it has a recipe for like a zombie, a shrunken skull, a pagan colada, um, Phantom of the Luau punch, things like that. You, a pagan colada. What about a Jesus colada? No, no Jesus colada. Huh. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry, there's the rights of Diablo. Rights of Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next week's books. Uh, so Aaron uh, has has talked uh, i think i think it was part of our funny book awards actually that aaron had mentioned uh star trek versus transformers from idw publishing yeah uh, bug. well next week it comes the collected edition comes out uh for eleven dollars and 49 cents if you're buying it digitally so I, you know paul i think if you pick that up you'll find that it's more than meets the eye uh, well i will give it a shot yeah. uh also collected editions uh, another book that we quite enjoyed avengers no road home um you know we paid four dollars an issue but if you, <laughs> if you wanted to wait, if you waited, all 10 issues are available for $17. A uh, great book. Great, great story. I, and leads into to see, uh, the Savage Avengers book now. Yeah. Um, in non-collected editions from Marvel Comics, Silver Surfer Black from Donny Cates and Trad Moore comes out next week. Issue one of five. Uh, also from Marvel Comics, Invaders, number six. Oh, uh, I think wait. that's the conclusion of the story. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that one. Same here. Same here. Uh, Invaders is so good. It's too bad they didn't have it out this week for the 75th anniversary of uh, D-Day. Yeah, that would have that been actually really good timing. Yeah, would have. Um, uh, so, And from DC Comics next week, you have Batman, The Batman Who Laughs, issue number six. Uh, Are you still reading that? I am. And it's good. It's good. It's actually, you know, the first, it started off a little rough, but it, it's gotten much better. And it's leading into that new Batman Superman uh, book that's coming out. And also from DC Comics, uh, Event Leviathan, issue one comes out uh, from Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malieve. Really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, I, <laughs> it's funny. Bendis came into Superman, you know, like an avalanche, right? Mm-hmm. And just you know, fucked up everything I like about Superman. Um, 
but now that he, you know, I feel like they, they said, okay, we need you to do something immediately because we want to stir things up and then work on your long-term strategy. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like those things that Bendis really likes to do, particularly mysteries, uh, and he likes to write about reporters yeah. and, you know, uh, investigations, um, you know, he's really able to unleash that within the Superman family, you know, doing a Lois Lane book, you know, you know, or having, you know, creating a world where a Lois Lane book can happen. Same thing with a Jimmy Olsen book and bringing his buddies along. I mean, I, I, I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am. And I'm just so relieved that he's brought something to Superman that's got me excited about it. Because while I love my, my Dan Jurgens Superman and Bendis, you know, hit my Dan Jurgens Superman with a hammer and broke him, uh, I like what he what he's doing. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I still think I can have John as a, you know, 10 year old, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I am enjoying uh, the action comic stuff. Uh, I'm waiting for a sale to get caught up on the, the Superman book itself. Uh, yeah. But Bright Side of Things, Event Leviathan, you know, for an event book is three ninety nine first issue. Uh, yeah. You know, not to say that four bucks is cheap, but in the world of event books, three ninety nine is, you know, is a, is a good price. So uh, I will the definitely Alex- be picking that one up. The Alex Maleev artwork looks super hot. It does. Just I'm, saying. I'm psyched to uh, – I'm, I'm very excited about that book. So another yeah. big week next week. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Well, hey, you know, if you want to call us and let us know what you think of the books we talked about this week, tell us about a book we didn't talk about. Tell us about your favorite read. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you know what? You're going to win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on our social media platforms, IOM Geek on Facebook, IOM Geek on Instagram, or at Ideology Madness on Twitter. Whatever you do, reach out. Let us know what you're thinking. And we'll be right back here next time, probably with some Wayne. But uh, otherwise, we're here. We're going to be here for you. Because that's who we are. We're here for you. Are, are we, though? And, Don't rely well, on us, but we'll be well, here. Well, and just know, Paul and I first to get infected with the anti-life equation, and and we're we're gonna, you know, we'll be infecting everyone around us. Yes, it's kind of what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you guys next week. That that's totally our plan. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.